it's going to be one of those episodes where we can give you a clear framework or a clear like method you can use to decide if you need a double, how to actually do it, what to watch out for. And so you will be prepared for all these for these situations. So, yeah. This is the Self-Recording Band Podcast, the show where we help you make exciting records on your own, wherever you are, DIY style. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Self-Recording Band Podcast. I am your host, Benedict Hine, and I'm here with my friend and co-host, Malcolm Owen Flood. How are you, Malcolm? Hello. I'm great, man. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Awesome. It's It's freezing in Germany. We have like minus 20 or so and it's um but it's like yeah a pretty normal winter for where i live right but still like yeah you gotta limit yeah. time outside a little bit <laughs> yeah i think last week i was bragging about being in like t-shirts having a yeah. beer on the beach and now it's like a snowstorm here <laughs> <laughs> it changed suddenly um, i yeah. hope we don't lose power through this but <laughs> yeah 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 th does that happen regularly um, or Losing power or yeah. snowstorms? No, losing power. <laughs> losing power? Yeah. Like so the the downside of having such great weather very often is that when bad weather does come, we're never ready for it. And it just wipes us out. It's like all <laughs> hell breaks loose and people can't drive and it's yeah, it's a disaster. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Germany's the same thing. We're I always laugh when I look when I watch like TV and see the news and when like in some cities everything like goes goes south when there is like five centimeters of snow and like yeah <laughs> chaos you know and we have i don't know one and a half meters here and still doing fine <laughs> so yeah that's funny yeah, yeah that is exactly what it's like but it's been a, a good week otherwise like um honestly having the snow over the weekend really forced me to just relax and not work and chill out and it was awesome i had an amazing weekend yeah that's good to hear. Good. Yeah, yeah, we had a good weekend as well. Like our daughter had birthday on um, Friday. That was cool. And then, oh yeah, yeah, congratulations. That's pretty cool. Thanks. Yeah, crazy to think she's now six years old. Like that's so. <laughs> I always used to say like, oh, everything changed when when I when we got kids, you know, and like I I I need to take things seriously now. I need to start thinking about some stuff and like and I realize. I have had kids for six years now, so like I, I'm not starting now. You know, I should have no. my shit together. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but I always tell it to myself. So like things used to be easy, but now that I have kids, I need to do this and that. But like it's been six years. So. Right. <laughs> Crazy. Well, my cat Beasley has turned one, so that's exactly the same, right? That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it felt it felt similar when I got a cat when we got a cat first. Like we, the, yeah, our cat was. Our first cat was somehow like similar to our first kid in a way. <laughs> At least Until you had kids. It felt that way back then. <laughs> now I realize it, it's not the same. But <laughs> Yeah, I almost say that stuff just to like annoy my friends who have kids now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can totally see that. Well, yeah. Two kids, three cats, two ducks. Yeah. In my case. So it's a lot going on. So yeah, other than that, the weekend was was cool here as well. A little bit of work, a little bit of relaxing. It was cool. Yeah. Oh, right on. Well, let's get back into the music world. Yes. Um, so today we're going to talk about doubling, um, like double tracking, which mm -hmm. is something that comes up frequently with projects that I work on as a mix engineer. Um, 
And I'm sure it's the same for all mix engineers who get sent stuff. And the reason is that people are a little con- or seem to be a little confused uh, about this topic because they seem to be unsure when to double, when to record doubles, how to do it properly, how many of those to record, how to know, like how to make that those decisions. It's it's basically always the same kind of questions that come up, and we're doing this episode to answer those questions because it's not as complicated. Like there's. I bet we too, we both have like a system, a somewhat systematic approach to it, and like it's. I think it's going to be one of those episodes where we can give you a clear framework or a clear like um, method you can use to decide if you need a double, how to do, actually do it, what to watch out for, um, and mm-hmm. so you will be prepared for all these for these situations. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a. Big fan of the doubled sound. I like the wall of sound mixes. That's kind of my alley. Like that's where I live <laughs> generally. And and by double tracking, that's like a really great way to get to that result. Um, very nice symmetrical sounding mixes that really just kind of smash out of speakers, right? So I'm a huge fan of it. Lately, hilariously, with the timing of this episode, I've been purposely using less, um, kind of as an experiment. But also realizing that, as with most things in music, it's what you don't do that makes the parts that you do it more effective, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like, I think this is a really good, good timing um, for this episode because it's, it's stuff that I'm experimenting with right now. So it's, it's very fresh for me. Um, That's cool. So maybe we should start by talking about what are things that are double-tracked most often. Yeah, I think the two biggest ones are vocals and guitars for me. And yes. you you can basically do whatever you want and double anything, but like vocals and guitars is the are the common things. And there's two ways I approach it. Like on the one hand, there are these doubles that I do to just fill up the stereo image whenever I think there's something lacking or the 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 mix would lean on one side and I need something on the other side. So that's one right. situation where I would do doubles. And the other one is like a more creative sound design sort of thing where I want the sound of a double thing. And that can be mono sometimes. But like one is basically, yeah, for for stereo image reasons and the other one is for sound reasons. Yeah. So I like to think of things in like old school LCR mixers, which that means left, center, right for people that didn't come up in that train of thought. I guess most people probably didn't get trained that way because most people have learned in digital workstations, which I did as well, but it was just how my, like when I got an internship, this is how it was explained to me and it really worked well for my brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously when you pan something in a DAW, you have more than just left, center, or right. You have all the in-betweens as well. Um, but for a moment here, let's pretend you didn't, that you could only put things all the way left, all the way right, or all the way up the center. So they're evenly split between your left and your right. That is a, a really nice way to kind of visualize your mix, even in pre-production. I'm thinking about that kind of stuff. Like, yes. where is this melody that the one guitar player is going to live? Because if he's playing this really busy little melody, and the lead singer has an important like verse, lyric, melody going on at the same time that doesn't go with that, to me, it's not going to work if they're both coming up the middle, right? So I'm going to have to choose what goes up the center and where that other element goes um and that normally means moving it out to the left or the right 
but now is our mix lopsided, right? Is it leaning towards wherever we placed that? Do I need to balance it out by getting a double of that other element so that it's happening on both sides? And it kind of like, yeah, now it's balanced out, symmetrical. Um, or is that going to make it even busier? <laughs> you know, you have to, to weigh these things. And um, we're, we're talking about doubling, but a quick note is that, just so people are aware, you can balance something out with a totally different element, yeah. right? Um, an example being, if the, there's a loud like hi-hat groove going on on one side, you can use a tambourine to balance out the mix on the other side or something like that. That's a very common thing to, to do. Um, yes. And I mean, that's not a rule of thumb, but it's just like you can get away with using other elements. But what we're mostly talking about in this episode is repeating the same performance of the same instrument. Hey friend, this is Benedict from theselfrecordingband.com and if you are producing your own songs, I have a question for you. Do you ever listen to your music and feel like something is just off? Maybe the drums sound weak, or the guitar tone bothers you, maybe the vocals don't really cut through the mix, or the whole thing just doesn't sound finished and professional, but you can't really put your finger on it? I know you want to release big, punchy, professional sounding songs, right? The type of authentic, unique art that connects with your audience on a deep level. But you're just not sure what's missing with your recordings. Somehow you just can't connect all the dots. And I get it, the amount of things to learn and all the conflicting information out there can be really overwhelming. Especially if you're a lone wolf trying to figure it all out on your own, right? Now here's the good news. Whether you've been self-recording for years or you're just setting up your first home studio, I want to offer you my personal one-on-one -on -one help. As long as you are determined to put in the work, I'm offering a limited amount of free one-on-one -on -one coaching calls with me. On this hour-long call, we'll dive deep into your recordings and create a personalized roadmap for you to finally solve the issues you're struggling with so that you can release music that you'll be proud of forever. If you are ready to see and believe that it's actually possible to achieve your goals and make the records you've always wanted to make, then go to theselfrecordingband.com slash call and apply for one of my limited coaching spots. I can assure you that making exciting and successful DIY records is very doable. We've done it, lots of other people have done it, you can do it as well. Talk soon, theselfrecordingband.com slash call. Yes, exactly. And I think that's actually a great way to start. Immediately from the first thing you record, think of the panning that mm -hmm. the, the final thing will have, even if you're not mixing yourself, just like when you start recording the drums, start panning the individual elements out left and right. When you record the, the bass, keep it in, this, in the middle. When you record guitars, think about the final image, what it's got to be, where each guitar is going to sit and like commit and define that. I mean, the mixer can obviously change that if, if, thing, if another method would work better, but do your best to define that and to intentionally intentionally place elements left, right, and center during tracking. So that's, I agree, is a great starting point because that will lead to automatic, like to, will automatically lead to logical decisions that you're going to make when it comes to doubling. For example, the classic for me is with the balancing out left and right thing. The classic for me is, for example, you have two guitars and you have a verse, for example, and both guitars are playing chords or palm mutes or whatever, like simple things, the same thing basically. And then you go into, and one is left and one is right. And then you go into the chorus and one of the guitars starts to play 
like octaves or some lead melody in the background or single notes, something like that. The other guitar keeps on playing chords. Then the chorus that's probably supposed to sound bigger will sound smaller than the worst because one guitar is not playing chords anymore and it's like these, these thin single notes sort of things. And if you just stick with the left and right thing, it will sound like the real band with two guitar players, but you probably oftentimes don't want that. So you need to get something in the, the spot where the second chord guitar was in the verse and move the lead guitar or the single notes to the middle behind the vocal, for example. Mm-hmm. Or double both of them and have like two wide chorus guitar chord guitars yep. and a doubled lead on top of that left and right or something like that. But you want to make sure that the chorus is actually bigger than the verse. And oftentimes that's not the case if you don't double it because the the verse might end up sounding fuller than the chorus. That's a classic for me where I just move the the lead to the center and then there's a hole on one side and I have to fill it in with a double. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, sticking with this left and center right concept for a while, this might surprise some folks that that haven't been doing this for very long, but a lot of people strictly mix like that. They literally will not go anywhere other than hard left, hard right, center. And like, I mean, 90% of my mixes probably land on that. I do break the rule. Actually, that's not true. My toms never go hard left or right for me. I was about to say. I mean, they have, but... I was about to say, everything except the toms almost every time for me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And lately, I've been getting away with vocals like less than hard panned. Um, Like when it's like um, some harmonies or something. I'm I'm experimenting with that more kind of thing. But like... I have a rule for that as well. I'm going to get to that when we come to it. Okay, great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But uh, that I think really surprises people because when I get rough mixes from bands... And, you know, you're a DIY recording band and you you send me your rough and it's kind of what you've been working with. That's that's really cool. But I, I immediately notice that things are either all up the middle. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, except for like one guitar or something, you know, it's like really mono. Um, or, or there is like this nobody's panned enough kind of thing. It's like the guitars are like a little bit out, but the drums are way wide. And it's like, okay, this just sounds weird. Um, so... I think why people shy away from the LCR thing is because on headphones, which a lot of DIY bands are working on, it sounds pretty shocking um, in a bad mix when you've got things hard panned because it's coming out of one ear only and you can, your other ear can't hear it at all. But when you're on speakers, that's not how it actually works. If you hard pan something, your right ear still hears it, right? Yeah. It's still going to get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's different with headphones and it sounds weird if your mix isn't very balanced, but once a mix is done really well, even with a hard pant, it actually does work out even with headphones. Yeah, and also what I completely agree. And also, what people don't realize, I think, is yeah, we, because they will they will uh, say that they want a little bit of the one guitar also on the other side because it sounds more mm-hmm. natural or whatever, or like because of the headphones thing. But what they don't realize is that we are very likely to do things in mixing. That solves the problem because as soon right. as you add a little bit of like a room, um, re- not even the reverb, just like a small amount of room on a guitar or a small delay on the opposite side or something that's not perceived as an obvious reverb, but just something that adds that information to the other side, that problem is solved. You can you have hard pan guitars, but still some information on the other side, and then you don't feel like weird when a solo guitar on one side is playing, for example. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Yeah, so I, I think it's a great rule of thumb to start with LCR yeah. and, and try and make that a, a rule while you're tracking. Yeah. It'll just keep things very 
yeah. neat and and make like you said Benny it helps you make decisions because it has to live in one of those spots and if it doesn't sound good in any of those spots you have to figure out if you have to add more yeah and what that more is yeah. tons um, of your favorite records have probably been made that way as Malcolm already said and some of it just because there were no other there was no other way because there are large format consoles like Neve consoles and really expensive stuff that don't have a pan knob, but just an LCR, like an LR button, like or LCR. Mm-hmm. So you could choose left, right, and center. That's it. I think Andrew Sheps mix, still mixes LCR in the box for that reason, because he used to mix on his Neve, and that's those were the options he was given, you know. So yeah, so it, it definitely works, and it's good to limit yourself to that, with the I've exception told of some, that, some uh, elements. Yeah, I've been told that speakers actually prefer that, um, like because they're not trying to reproduce the same thing it's easier for them to do their job. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Uh, um, like, yeah, because it's, if it's over partway to one side, they're both trying to reproduce that, but at different levels, while also trying to reproduce the mono elements. So it's like, it's a really challenging job for a speaker to actually pull off. Yeah. Um, so maybe your mix will just sound better. Actually, it probably will sound better if you just go LCR. <laughs> yeah. And at least it makes thinking of the arrangement so much easier. So I would just do that, even if like you end up doing something else in the mix. But when you start and plan the doubles, just think of it as LCR and that's it. And then you can always make things narrower or wider or whatever. But start, uh, like map it out like that. Yeah. And quickly, just because you mentioned Neve, quick uh, rest in peace to Rupert yeah. Neve. Oh, absolutely. What a, yeah. what a legend. What a legend. Absolute yeah. legend. Past this week, yeah. Super sad. Literally, what we do would not sound the same without that man. Yep. Pretty crazy. Yeah. All right. So, should we talk about artificial doubles as well? Um, we should, but at first, I think we should go through the common like um, scenarios. So, we have the left-right thing, where you basically map out your song, and then you decide, okay, is it lopsided? Does it... Is actually... Every part that's supposed to be big, is it bigger than the part before? That sort of stuff. So that would be the first step. Also, sometimes intentionally not doing a double is the right thing. So sometimes mm-hmm. in a verse or a quiet bridge or whatever, you might have one guitar doing um, some chords and the other guitar doing some single notes, but that's totally cool. And you want that left and right and leave space in the middle. Yeah. Uh, and you don't want that wall of guitars. So being intentional is, is all there is to it. And if you want... a, a a part to be very big, make the part before that smaller, and then, you know, the basic principles apply here. But just map out your songs that way and think of it as LCR. Um, also consider when there is no vocal in a part, if there is an element that sort of replaces the vocal in that part. So sometimes it can be like octaves on the guitar, sometimes it can be a solo or some right. a melody, a lead melody, something like that, or a synth or whatever. So if if that's the case, you probably want to move that to the middle because it takes the, the spot of the vocals in that part. And then again, you need something on the side where this element used to be. So you got to do a double of whatever was is on the other side. So just go through your songs and map that out. Absolutely. And, and then yeah, so I think that's that's basically it. Then that, I think we should before we go to artificial doubles, we should go to vocals first and talk about the real doubles and finish that. Um, because with guitars, for me, that's basically it. Unless you want to add the artificial doubles thing to the guitars. I don't know. Uh, I mean, we can, we can always circle back, so, so that's cool. Um, I just wanted to, to reiterate and enforce what you kind of just said, is that whatever is up-center is the, the lead in focus thing, probably, right? Almost 99% of the time, that's going to be your lead vocal, right? Yeah. So, like you said, what's going to fill that hole when it goes away? Um, and that's if you're unsure if 
the lead guitar part needs to be doubled, that's a pretty good indicator. Is there a vocal going on, right? Um, so if if there isn't, it's probably a solo, and it can go up the middle and kind of take that spot. Um, if there is a vocal going, I kind of differentiate it between a lead part and a solo. <laughs> so if there's vocal, it's a lead part, and that's probably going to be out to the sides um, to some extent. And then if it's uh, no vocal, it's a solo of yeah. some part. <laughs> so then it, it's going up the middle. Not to say that doubled solos can't be cool. They definitely can. Yeah, ex- exactly. That's the, that we get we get to that when we talk about like the um, artistic choice of doing a double yes. or the sound um, yeah. choice. Yeah. Yeah, like so. Yeah, for now we're talking about arrangement decisions, and this is. Uh, I, w- I was reading some mix notes um, for. I wish I could remember his name, but the fellow who mixed the interval song "Lock and Key," um, and Sam he, Guayana. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cool. What a great production. Um, and getting to look at those multi-track recordings, really fantastic work um, from everybody involved there. It sounded amazing before it was mixed. Yeah. Um, but uh, in, in his notes, he said that he doesn't do much automation because he thinks that the band kind of does it in their performances and, and that the production kind of does that as well. And I, I do that as well. I'm like, the, the course should sound bigger without me turning up the guitars generally, right? So what's making that happen, right? So like you said, if there isn't a double-tracked verse guitar and then it comes in on that chorus, it's already getting louder there. So if your mix is not sounding like it's not emotionally hitting those marks of like, getting big and smaller in spots this is how you control that yeah so don't don't expect it to just happen because somebody's going to turn up a fader later it should already be happening i think i i totally agree and that again comes down to after we we've um, finished the fill in the gaps thing that comes down to like creative decisions when you add a layer of doubles to just make the make it sound bigger or wider or whatever right. so I, I totally agree i love doing that and i love when i get sent things and I, I almost always kind of assume that I need to do a lot of automation because it's it's the case most of the time but whenever I get a project and I just listen to the song and I'm wondering why like have I done enough automation it, it feels <laughs> weird if I didn't do it but sometimes I just don't need it and I love those projects Absolutely. and it's just those songs sort of mix themselves because as you said when the chorus hits it's just there because maybe there is an additional layer of double track guitarist beneath it with a slightly different tone or whatever yeah. And I just don't need to move faders as much. So exactly, I love that. <laughs> and I always kind of doubt myself when that happens because I'm always thinking I, I was too lazy maybe and I should add more automation. But sometimes you just don't need to <laughs> because of that. Absolutely. I've had like some of my best mixes have like almost none. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so with vocals, I think it's a little different because you don't, you have the left-right thing, not, not as much as with guitars. But with like in the sense of that there is one left and one right and you need to fill in the holes. But still, a big mistake that people make, and I think you even got it in our, in our outlines here, Malcolm, is that people, if they double vocals, they just do it because they heard of that you need to do it probably, but they just do one double because they think, mm-hmm. yeah, let's do a double, and they don't really know why. When instead, they should probably do two of them so that you can pan the doubles left and right of the center vocal. Not always the right thing, but... You can always mute one if you don't need it, but more often than not, I find myself using doubles to make the vocals wider in a chorus. Yes, absolutely. Um, that That is definitely one of the most common things when getting DIY tracks and mixes, that they weren't doubled enough. Um, because one vocal, like if you have a lead vocal and then one track of a double, 
it's pretty limiting what you can do with it, really. Um, and, and we're going to talk about that creative effect, which this is good for, and, and artificial doubles, which you can kind of fake the effect you want. But generally, when we talk about doubles, it's two new performances. So you got your lead one up the middle and then a left and a right one. So there's three of that performance going on at the same time. Um, and that's how we get that wide effect. Yeah, totally. I would argue that a doubled vocal layer is actually less distracting than a single one in a weird way <laughs> because yeah. it balances out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I sort of agree. And that brings up a point that I was uh, was wanting to talk about. And that is when it comes to the LCR thing, I'd, I'd love to have like doubles hard left and right if they are done well. The mm-hmm. only time I can't do that is when they are not really in sync, when they are not aligned well, not edited well enough or the performance is not just good and just not good enough then i find myself making them a little narrower because it gets i agree it's it's less distracting if they are perfect and just left and right and it's just one wide vocal that is what it's perceived as but when they are not really aligned it's super distracting especially with like s um sounds and stuff like that that are coming from left and right you know when you get that bouncing left and right thing that's just super distracting and annoying. So if that's the case, I'll either ask them to edit it again or I'll do it. Or um, if if none of that works or whatever, then I just have to make it a little narrower just so it's not so distracting. So the only case where I typically find myself making doubles not 100% left and right is when I find, when I find them to be too distracting when they're super wide. I agree. Yeah. Uh, that's one more tip for you if you're new to the double world. Whatever you think is tight enough is probably not tight enough. <laughs> yes. And also another reason to do the LCR thing because that way you really hear. If you don't yes. do it, you might be you might get, be tricked and you think it's tight enough. But once you pan it out and you clearly hear, especially on headphones, you immediately notice if the S's and T's and all that are really aligned or not. Mm. Could I hijack this a little bit and talk about a, a process for getting doubles done? Of course. It applies to both guitars and vocals. Um, but pretty much say you're doing vocals, we use that example. When you are getting set up to get ready to record, make your, well, how I do it anyways, is I make a tracking track. (laughs) So there's a track that I'm recording onto, and then I make all of the tracks that I'm going to need to fill. So my lead vocal and my left double, my right double. I also have a center double track just sitting there. And then I've got my harmonies and all that below it as well. And there's all in order stacked below the track that I'm recording onto. And we nail apart. I drag it down onto the lead vocal one. And then... It depends on the vocalist, but often I want to double right away um, because it's fresh in their mind and they're going to like be able to get the timing really tight because they know what they just did. And then we double it. I just drag that down onto the double track and then we do it again and I drag it down onto the other double track. And now we've got our center and they're already panned. Like I've got the panning of those tracks and the volume set how I want already. So then three takes, click play, listen back. We can hear the center and the left and the right. And if it's good, we move on. If it's not, we figure out what wasn't good, and we do it again. That's kind of the process. Love that. The, the only bit of advice is you have to know your vocalist. Um, if I'm at all worried about them losing their voice, I'm going to do the whole lead vocal before I touch anything else. Because it's not doubles aren't worth blowing out a voice on. That lead vocal is going to be way more apparent in the mix. So we, um, a lot of the times, it's get the lead vocal, then attack doubles. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said. It's a great method, and uh, yeah, I agree with the voice thing as well. 
it's good if you can do it right away, but not necessary if, if you risk ruining the voice. Yeah. I do that for guitars as well. But it's, it's all about having those tracks just sitting there so you can just try it out even. Like if you're yeah. not sure if you want to double in the verse or, or, or whatever, you can just have it there. Be like, okay, sing it one more time, drag it down and listen. Be like, okay, that doesn't really do what I want. Or yeah, this sounds awesome. Or that sounds good, but we also need a right side. Like we need it to be the doubled, doubled thing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But with guitars, I always sort of kind of or like, yeah, I, I always do it immediately just for tuning reasons. Oh so, yes, yes, guitar, definitely, absolutely. And don't, don't like little side note here. Don't tune between doubles with a guitar. Like do <laughs> tune be between the real take, and as soon as you nail it, like do tune for every before every real take, basically, or every two or three takes uh, at least. And then once you nail it, immediately do the double without tuning. That way, it will be really in tune. Uh, if you tune before the double, both might be in tune themselves but not exactly the same way so you might get a yeah. weird phasing phasing thing so don't tune before doubles and do them right away with a guitar uh, doing doubles later might cause tuning problems so yeah it, it almost definitely will um, yeah so <laughs> the side story I've started making educational recording content on TikTok just like over the last week just giving it a shot and I'm having a, like a lot of fun with it but I made one about relevant uh, relative tuning about what you were just talking about how it is hugely beneficial to tune once for a pair of doubles rather than in between them yeah. because your guitar needs to be in tune with itself not necessarily having two differently in tune guitars you know like it's just got to be relative and uh, my god I pissed off a lot of old blues players I don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I mean uh, yeah it it's, it's such a diff like yeah we don't need to get into that, but I can totally, no. totally see why that would be pissed off. And I agree with if you're doing blues, jazz, whatever, it's not about perfect tuning and everything. I, we know that, obviously. But if you talk about modern rock production, it's a completely different thing. So, Absolutely. Yeah, apples and oranges. But um, <laughs> can we plug your TikTok handle real quick? So, uh, Yeah, it's at Malcolm Own Flood Music. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm go, sure go I'm the only Malcolm Own Flood on there. <laughs> yeah, you are the only Malcolm Own Flood, period. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Everywhere. So. <laughs> awesome, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, tuning, relative pitch, doubling right away. Where we where did we start this? Yeah, with the vocals, exactly with your method right. of doing vocal doubles. Yeah, that's yeah. a great yeah, one. Yeah, so just be set up and have the, the tracks sitting there to go. That's the, the short answer. Um, because, it, yeah, it's got to be quick. This is a really yeah. time-consuming process, we should add, especially vocals, because it is hard to nail them as tight as they should be. I, I sort of agree, yes, but I rely, when it comes to doubles, I rely pretty heavily on editing, to be honest, because with the lead vocal, not so much, not at all, because the lead vocal is so such a personal, intimate like thing where feel and everything is so important, so I don't want to get too heavy with, like, too heavy-handed with time stretching and editing and stuff. But with doubles, it's, I don't know, I don't really care as much because usually you don't, they, they even, I think they even sometimes sound cool and not as distracting if they are super tuned and edited and like on them their own sound pretty boring and flat mm -hmm. and like, you know, like not exciting and too perfect. But that makes them work very well as doubles for me sometimes. So I, I don't know. I don't spend too much time getting perfect doubles. I mean, if they're way off, of course. But if they are tight enough so that I definitely know that can be that they can be properly aligned in editing, I would just rely on that, yeah. to be honest. What I mean by that is that it has to be tight enough that the editing doesn't oh, take yeah. longer than it should, right? Because oh, if, yeah. if you're singing the wrong note, 
now it's a hassle to tune it. Yeah, right? yeah, of course. And of if course. your timing's way off, it's a t- hassle to correct the time kind of thing. Um, but you'll get the hang of it. Yeah. There's one more interesting phenomenon. I don't know if it's the same for you, Malcolm. Did you ever have, this, have the situation where you have the lead vocal take and then you're doing doubles and then you find out that one of the doubles is actually better than the original lead vocal just because it yep. was easier for the singer to sing to the recorded vocal? Yes, I, I try to be very conscious of that, and then I just swap it out. <laughs> yeah, it's hard though because you're like, it's hard to know what you're listening to in this process. Um, it it takes a lot of practice, honestly, to yeah. get good at this. <laughs> yeah, but there's I don't know. Some, sometimes for some singers, they just sing better when they don't think they have to perform as well, and when they can like sing to something that's already been recorded. Some for some reason they maybe they don't take it as seriously or they don't overthink it as much. And that results in a better performance sometimes. I don't know. But sometimes it happens. <laughs> it does. Yep. Yeah. So be aware. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, that's the process. And I don't know. Do, do you do doubles, like the left-right doubles thing to make vocals wider? Do you do that in choruses exclusively? Or do you do that throughout the whole song and you just mute whatever parts you don't need? Or what, what's your approach there? It depends. I Where I, with guitars, I will lean towards doubling just for the heck of it. Um, even if I'm not, like pretty much if I'm not totally sure, I'm going to double it. Um, and then often I am sure that I just want one or whatever, so it's fine. But uh, like I kind of just lean towards, ah, I can make, I can always get rid of something in guitars. But with vocals, I try to like really make those decisions and commit to them. Um, yeah. So if, if I'm not going to have one, I'm not going to make them do it kind of thing. And I, I just stick, stick to my guns on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... I mean, maybe we should talk about center doubles. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because with the stereo thing, the I I think I agree with what you said, and the, uh, like yeah, I decided as we go, and and basically it's just the do I want this part to be wide or do I want it to be intimate and like very clear and upfront? Because the wide thing will be will sound big and wide, but it will also sound a little more distant. And if I want something really upfront and very intelligible and very intimate and or loud and aggressive and in your face, I just stick with one lead vocal in the center. Mm-hmm. So most of the times for me, it's like verses or intros, quiet bridge or whatever is like one vocal in every big part, choruses, big bridge, um, breakdown, whatever it is that's supposed to be huge. I'm doing the white double thing usually. Cool. Yeah. 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 I would say I'm similar to that. I normally do have a layer, something going on in the verses, but we'll, we'll talk about that when yeah. we get into the more creative side of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's let's so, let's do that. Let's do that in both cases. Okay. So right. with with guitars or vocals, whatever you want to start with, what are some other applications other than like making vocals wide and filling in gaps left and right? So I think this is something that's actually hugely dependent on the vocalist you're recording. Um, I think some vocalists sound really good with the left and right double, but some of them don't. <laughs> <laughs> some of them, like I don't know. I think maybe it's kind of a little dependent on like how wild their vibrato is and stuff like that. Um, and how tight they are but some people just don't really sound great and kind of get that Ozzy Osbourne effect going on um <laughs> I love Ozzy but I don't think he can really sing I'm just gonna say it um, yeah. yeah and and I would say that most people don't want their vocals to sound like Ozzy so yeah um but and I actually have no idea if he's like a hard panned double or a center pan double sorry I can't tell you but uh anyways some people sound better with a double that's right up the middle like stacked on top of their vocal. And that has a very different effect, but can be very cool as well. Um, but I would consider that more of like a 
a, like a, a creative effect yeah. than the, the hard pan doubles where the hard pan doubles are like reinforcement and weight to the mix. This is like a, a vocal effect that is changing the quality of that person's voice. It's like some people have kind of a signature sound of that. Like Dave Grohl, for example, I was has about a very to say. doubled vocal. Yeah, I was about um, to say the typical Dave Grohl sound is totally that. It's like almost too too equally loud vocal yeah. takes. Like it's a, a a drastic chorus effect basically that happens when you do that. Exactly, exactly. So that can be really very powerful and very signature. Um, I find that usually I'm not going that route because I don't think a lot of people sound good with that either. Um, yeah, I have more luck with the the wide thing, but it is worth checking this out. Um, and some people do both. Yeah. <laughs> Again, take Dave Grohl, right? You've got the the very coarse thing, but he's going to get even wider on the courses for sure. Um, so that is a creative effect that you should totally experiment with. Um, I almost, I don't think I ever do that on guitar. <laughs> up the middle. Up, up the middle, not. But I, no. I, I'm doing the chorusy um, thing with guitars on purpose, but not up the middle usually. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, so definitely check that out if you're going to do center doubles. Um, and that can be a good differentiator between the verse and the chorus as well, doing something like that. If we're continuing to talk about creative doubles, going back to what I do with verses, often these days I've been trying to just do one double on the verse um, and then making it kind of like, you know, sometimes it's got like the radio effect or sometimes it's like reverbed out, um, which can be really cool. Uh, so you can have like it be maybe the lead vocal is actually totally dry in the verse, but you've got a double that has like a hundred percent reverb and it's making the reverb, but it's kind of disconnected. It's a totally different sound. Um, and I, I really dig it sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't work though. <laughs> yeah. We have, we have talked about that, I think in another episode and I really like this concept and I've tried it since then more often. And I, 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 I really, really enjoy it. Like basically you triggering whatever effect you're using off of a different track and you're mixing mm -hmm. the resulting effect with the actual lead vocal take. So it sounds like a reverb on the lead vocal, but it's actually the reverb on a double of a lead vocal with that double muted, essentially. So, yep. yeah, and, and that's a really cool thing to do. Um, works with, like, delays or, like, every any effect, basically, can work. Absolutely. Sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't, but it can work with any effect. So for that reason alone, it might be worth recording at least a mono double in the verses and, like giving the mixer the opportunity to just mute it if it's not needed or do something creative with it. Definitely. So yeah, yeah. I, uh, often in that case, I'll just use like an alt take from the lead vocal. I won't even get them to like record it. Cause like, I, I know it, it's going to be so unaudible. Like you won't be able to tell if it's the perfect take, right. If it's a reverb. Yeah. So as long as it's relatively a good take, it's going to be fine for that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, the creative double thing can be definitely a cool thing. So, but that's basically for me, that's basically it when it comes to vocals with creative things because everything else gets more into harmonies. Like you could, I mean, you could argue if like an octave up or down is really a harmony or if it's a double or what, but yeah. that would get into harmonies for me. Like a, a double for me is the exact same performance recorded twice. Right. I would times. like to put forward the, uh, the notion that if you're recording harmonies though, that you should just default to recording stereo pairs of them oh yeah um so record a left and a right of each harmony which is a double um, again yeah i agree yeah, yeah exactly yeah and so you don't have to have a center yeah. but just have two of them and make sure they're good and give that to the mixer maybe they won't use all of them but that's again a very common diy track sent to me and there's not enough 
uh, vocal doubles on the harmonies, especially. Oh yeah, that's a good one actually. Especially if, like a classic case, especially if you do a low harmony and a very high harmony, and you do just one of each, and then mm-hmm. when you're mixing that, you're left with you can either have like three things in the middle, like the lead vocal and those two harmonies. Or you can try yeah. and pan the harmonies left, right, but that will most of the time sound lopsided because you have the full deep harmony on one side and the thin high harmony on the other side, and that often doesn't yes. work. And in those situations, I always wish I had at least a double of one of those and keep so right. that I just have to keep one in the center. And most of the time, I would prefer the higher one on the sides and the lower one in the middle, maybe. Exactly. I'm the same. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and if you can, just double all of them so I can spread them out like however I want definitely definitely you know what low octave layers don't get enough credit they're so great sounding yes yeah (laughs) and high harmonies if anybody's into Our Lady Peace go back and listen to their albums and and check out how many high octaves they've got mixed all over the place it's it's insanity Um, but it sounds great yeah Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers have done that too it's it's definitely a cool effect Um, quickly I I think this is like the perfect moment to talk about artificial doubles while we're still on vocals yeah um, because those moments when we don't have uh, enough tracks, that's pretty much our problem-solving tool often, at least for me, yeah. is grabbing something like uh, Sound Toys Micro Shift or Waves Doubler, which creates an artificial double. It, it is essentially taking a track, so t- say you just took a performance and copied and pasted the same performance below it, but then it that would just make it louder. Um, hopefully you've tried that and know that doesn't work. We need to and say that, I think. We need to. We should we say do. that. I've definitely had people think that works. Yeah, c- just so, copying okay, and pasting one performance is not a double. It does nothing. It just makes it louder. It's like, even if you do it left and right, people ask yeah. that all the time, actually. If you, do, if you put one performance on the left side and an exact copy of it on the right side, it will come out of the middle. Or like will yeah. sound like it comes out of the middle. It will be mono again. Because a exactly. mono signal is basically two speakers playing the exact same thing at the same time. That's what a mono signal yeah. is. So, yeah, that's not a double. You've just made it do that. Yeah. So, then the next... So, like, that's, like, the ultimate form of lazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, this will work, right? No, it won't work. Yeah. You're uh, wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the next step of lazy is, like, well, you can just, like, delay it a little bit. So, make it so that it's not playing at the exact same time. So, you just delay it a few samples or whatever. And it's like, okay, now it sounds phasey it just sounds worse <laughs> but it does sound wider i'll give them a little credit there um and then the third step of lazy is now we just have to like change the pitch a little bit of that one that we've changed the timing of and now it starts to sound arguably cool but it still doesn't sound like a real double and uh your brain kind of catches up with it eventually as well so like it starts sounding pretty good but then after a while listening to it it like stops sounding like i don't really i know how to explain that but it like it's like an effect that doesn't work for very long um yeah <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah you got something to say on that yeah unless it's the typical like the the micro pitch effect the micro shift effect the classic um vocal effect that's been used in countless records where it's pretty much that you kind of uh, that effect it, it creates two copies of the lead vocal or whatever thing you you send th- to it it you pan them hard left and right and then you delay both of them a little bit, but differently, and you pitch one down and one up. And then ideally you modulate them so that it's not the same yes. thing all the time. And then you get that that famous widening effect that that Microshift does, as you mentioned, like the little Microshift mm-hmm. or Microshift from Sound Toys. And that works unless you turn it up too loud, then it's sort of weird. 
so uh, the point all of this to say is that uh, this is a cool effect and it's something we can use when we don't have enough stereo information to try and make something more stereo, for example. Um, but it's not a substitute. No, it's an for effect. Doubling. It's an effect, not a yeah. double. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It'll never sound real. Agreed. Ever. <laughs> yeah, agreed. And sometimes we do that even if we have doubles, just because we want that Absolutely. effect. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that's the sound we want for sure. So yeah, that's uh, that again. Going back to, do we have a hard left and a hard right verse vocal double? Maybe not. Maybe we use a fake double for the verse, and then we go to real doubles for the chorus. That can be a cool effect because the real ones sound way wider. Yeah, and better. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Did you ever do that? The process that you just described. Did you ever do that manually for some reason? Instead of like grabbing the micro shift or like the waves double, did you ever copy it left and right and delay it and then pitch up and down and whatever? Uh, no, I I just I did copy and paste one, but I never did the pitch thing. Okay, yeah. um, this was like you know like when I was first starting to record, I was like. So I saw somebody on YouTube be like, this is how you double guitars. And I was like, misinformation, love it. Okay, here we go. I thought it was real, of course. And I was like, this kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did one, I think it was the first or second record I ever did for some friends of mine where we forgot to double, I think, the last chord of the guitar, just one chord, or I oh, accidentally shoot. cut it off or something. Like when I was mixing it, like there was the last chord of the song and one of the guitars went away. And I was like, what, what do I do now? So I just copied that last chord, delayed it a bit. That was all I knew back then. And when in stereo, it sort of works. And when you listen in mono, it's like very weird when that last chord yeah. hits. <laughs> and even in stereo, it's like, what what the fuck is going on here with that last chord? But uh, yeah, I, I did that because I didn't know what else to do. I just delayed it a couple of milliseconds. And that's yeah how I, how I quote unquote solved it. Uh, but yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad that came up because there there is a, a surprising amount of people that think that's totally like how you can do it that that it works the same. It just doesn't. It just does not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But artificial doubles on purpose is a thing with these effects. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, in fact, they're tighter most of the time, right? I mean, it, it's very tight. You can set yeah, it as tight as you want to be. Yeah. Um, I mean. yeah. So, uh, and for like very fast, uh, even like metal, I've heard of guys leaning that way for their double um, because, I mean, in that in the case of what I'm thinking of, it was, they still recorded a double, but they just used this artificial doubling on that double. So there was like, you know, a center, a real left and a fake right kind of. <laughs> and, uh, and that you know, because if you had too many, it was just like too fast to get perfect kind of thing. So, I mean, yeah. it could be a solution for something like that, I guess. I've never found myself in those shoes, so. Yeah, but that's also an application for the mono double because you can use that mono double to send to a micro shift, have the left and right thing, and but have it on 100% wet so you don't hear the mono double. And then you have yes. the fake doubles that are not exact copies of the lead vocal, which will probably sound more authentic than yes, doing it with definitely. the actual vocal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, always get at least one. That's a good rule. Yeah, cool. I guess. Now, uh, when it comes to guitars, what are some things you do there just for sound reasons or for like artistic reasons, creative reasons? Yeah. So, I mean, generally, my rhythm guitars are left and righted out. It's pretty standard practice for big wall of sound modern rock guitars. Um, I do appreciate doubled leads, but when it's doubled leads, I often like them to be different. <laughs> like, you know, like switch the pickup or sw- switch the tone a little bit or whatever. Because, um, like, I want it to be as wide as possible if I'm going for that effect. 
Does that make sense? I was about to get into that after it. I have a question on that. Um, okay. So about the different or same setup, because that's a common question as well. But just like, um, do you do, like the mono double thing, probably not with guitars, but do you do in general um, add layers of doubles when you already have the stereo image perfect, oh. but you still want another layer maybe, or uh, yep. you want to, as you said, double the lead even though like or like yeah basically yes. you, you have the image perfect but you still want to add for whatever reason you want to add a, a layer do quad tracking yeah or, i don't know exactly quad tracking was exactly what i was going to bring up is that like maybe the courses just need that little extra punch like we were going back the the production should kind of provide its own automation in a sense and adding quads is a great way so quads just means a third and fourth guitar generally okay. <laughs> so you have your main guitars doing your left and right and you're adding another double so they've been it's already double tracked and now you're adding another double um of of the guitar usually with a different tone that complements whatever's going on right um and i mean it, it's tricky because i say that i do that but almost always that quad is not an exact double sometimes that quad is just like the root note being played um instead of the whole chord you know um or or it's like a complementing part maybe it's like higher higher like it could be another guitar part altogether um yeah but in my head is I still kind of think of it as reinforcing it as a double but it's sometimes it's not actually a double I have a pretty clear opinion when it comes to to quads um and with, with just to 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 talk about the leads first again with leads if I'm not doing a different tone like you described if I just do a, a, a simple double with the same setup then this might be because I wanted to have a certain atmosphere type of thing because it sounds pretty yeah wide and like atmospheric in in a way when you have that can work in verses as well you might have no chords at all you might just have single notes a melody or some picking or whatever and if you double that and it's very tight you get that wide chorus thing that sort of surrounds the vocals and leaves a lot of space in the center so i i'd like that sometimes sometimes when there is a lead melody in a chorus for example and i have that wall of rhythm guitars and i don't really want something to like step on the vocal in the center Sometimes I do it behind the vocal, but sometimes I want the guitar melody audible as well, but I don't want to, it to conflict with the vocal as much. And then I mm. will double the lead, just as I doubled the rhythm guitars, and put the lead left and right on top of the rhythms. So you have a left rhythm, a right rhythm, and the left lead and the right lead. Um, so sometimes I do that. I'm curious to hear, like and when, when it comes to quads, I'm the same as you when it comes to doing different performances, but with the exact same performance, I think more often than not, the typical metal thing that a lot of people do where they just do quads because it often does more harm than good because it starts to get not tight enough. Like it starts to get mm. a little messy and like the transients are not as detailed and not as... Um, yep. Very few people can pull that off so that it really works. And especially if they're using the exact same setup. So you you oftentimes gain nothing by doing quads with the same setup. So I tend to, if I do quads at all, I tend to do them with a different amp or diff like a different tone, different guitar maybe. Yeah. And like just put it like a, a subtle layer below the actual rhythm guitars and not have them like equal volume, same settings, because that for me at least just rarely works. Like it always sounds a little messy to me. It's like, it doesn't sound bigger. It just sounds... Yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. Not as focused. I'm not a big. I'm not big into quads if it's the same setup. So I, I agree. Yeah, that's again why I lean to it being a different point, like a 
kind of a different part even. Um, and in metal, because uh, normally I'm doing rock, so it's a little simpler and easier to pull off something tight. Yeah. Um, but if it's something pretty tricky, my quads usually aren't actually the part at all. They're like accents of certain notes. Like maybe we want to accent the big but not the like you know like the melody parts left alone and or it's just the pinch harmonics so there's big yeah you know that kind of stuff um so it's like little spices yeah here and there i agree and it's it seems counterintuitive people think especially with the big heavy stuff you need to do quads and doubles and whatnot but i think that these genres oftentimes sound bigger and more in your face and more aggressive if there's less going on but that mm-hmm. but what's going on is super tight super focused and i find it with more loose rock productions you can get away with more layers more easily because those create this wall of sound that doesn't need to be so super tight but especially with the very heavy stuff sometimes two guitars sound bigger than four yeah definitely definitely i think often often it's yeah there's only so much space um and you can definitely overfill the bucket. Yeah. But now to what you were saying, that that's what I'm very curious to hear when you are using different settings, different pickups, different things on leads, for example, as you wanted to say. When do you do that and why? Uh, it's just like, it just depends on the song, you know, um, and the part, I, that's one of those frustrating answers, but there's <laughs> definitely no, like, this, this will always work for you. You just have to be making those decisions as you go. Um, so again, that's, why we're really big into balancing your your mix as you record so you can make these decisions accurately. Um, when I get like a, a reference mix and it's just like like distorted, clipping, everything's in the red and you can't tell what's going on, I'm like, oh, there's going to be some sloppy <laughs> performances here because like nobody could play to this. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, we've said that a lot, but just you should be recording to something that is easy to play to yeah, and listen to. And that will make it easier for you to make these decisions because if you can't hear what what's happening, you can't decide how something should sound. Yeah. I found it interesting when you said um, a couple of minutes ago when you said that you think it sounds or you feel it sounds wider when you do a lead with like different settings. Mm. Because I don't know, sometimes it's the case. Sometimes it feels wider for me if it's the same and you get this chorusy, yeah. phasey effect more. Um, some, depending on, I, I guess it depends on how different it is, but right. I, I don't know, because sometimes if you're doing, for example, a neck pickup and a bridge pickup, sometimes this also can sound lopsided because one is way brighter than the other. So I'm just curious about your approach here and when, when you do that, especially with the lead. Y- yeah. So you're, you're right. The, the bridge and neck split is a, is a perfect example because it is so much darker generally that it definitely does lean one way. Um, but that can be desired, right? Because mm-hmm. maybe we don't want it to sound even mm-hmm. for the verse, right? There's so much more space. And by having it lean that little bit, uh, it, it is kind of wider and more spacey sounding maybe to me, I guess. It's more open. But it's still kind of like there's at least a counterweight on the other side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, it's darker and not as heavy kind of thing. But again, like it, it depends on the song. So we, we just have to try it and see what sounds right. So... I would say, actually, um, honestly, that most of the time I get them to just double it without changing anything. Like, like play the part and then record another one with, like, on the, still on the bridge pickup, probably. And it's only if I don't think that is vibing right that I'll go and try and switch it up from there. All right, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything to add to this? Because I, we, I think we pretty much covered it. 
Yeah, I think we I think we did cover it. Um, if there's one thing to take away from this, it's that you probably need to be doing more doubles than you think. Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know, make sure they're great. Uh, like we said, it's a pretty time-consuming thing, especially if you're doubling, like, a lead vocal and two different harmonies and <laughs> stuff like that. Like, so it ends up being a lot of tracks, um, yeah. but that's totally normal. Yeah. So, And I think you're going to fall in love with it once you try it because once you hear something like a, a chorus, let's say, where you play, I don't know, an E on the A string, a power chord or whatever, something high up on, like, the, the, the A string or something, and that's that's been your chorus, and then you add an octave below, you add the low, just the, just one string, for example, and with like a, mm. a, a little different tone or a, a more fuzzy tone, a more dirty tone or whatever, below that to give it more weight and some hair, you know, like some edge. I don't know, once you hear that and you play around with that and you hear how big a chorus can become when you're layering things like that, you're it's kind of addictive. I, I think you really enjoy that yeah. process a lot. Or or splitting yeah. up chords, something like that. Sometimes it's cool to split up a chord in like the root and an octave or a harmony, and do four layers instead of just that one chord. Once you mm, start experimenting yeah. with things like that and making vocals wide, creating bigger walls of guitars, I think you're gonna enjoy it a lot. And um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that will be the case. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I uh, while you were talking there. I did have some warnings that I think we need to give up. Okay. <laughs> and Go it's ahead. that the more you add, the more it matters how great those first layers were. Oh, Essentially, yeah. the first pair of guitars that get doubled are your foundation. So if they're not well-tuned, and you absolutely have to go back and listen to any episodes we've had on guitars and tuning um, and new strings. And, <laughs> and the same for vocals. Pretty much like if you have a lead vocal and it's doubled and then you start trying to add harmonies, if those lead vocals tunings aren't great, it's going to be such a bad time trying to sing harmonies to them. And then when you try and add another layer of harmonies, say you're adding like a three-piece harmonies, God, you're going to be upset by the end of that. Um, So sometimes that means editing before you move on to the next one, you know, so maybe you have to do the tuning or, or timing correction or whatever it is. But in doubles is when things get tricky um, and that they, it really has to be tight. So be aware of that. If you're having trouble getting extra harmony doubles down, it's probably because something's off. Um, and maybe, you know, like often I'll just throw on auto tune in auto mode while we're tracking harmonies to it. Cause I like, I'm going to manually fix it after the fact, but it needs to be good now, you know, keep the session moving. So yeah. be aware of that. Um, it, it can be tricky, but it's usually worth it. Agreed. All right. And then I think that wraps it up. Awesome. So cool. Um, check out Malcolm's TikTok once again. Malcolm on Flood Music on TikTok um, if, you're, if you're using that platform. Also, if you haven't yet, please download the 10-step guide to successful DIY recording that you get when you go to the selfrecordingband.com slash 10-step guide. Uh, check out that if you haven't yet. And then, yeah, join us on Facebook, I guess. We always forget to say that, but we have an amazing... Yeah. Facebook community that you should absolutely join. Um, it's like, yeah, like-minded people doing the same thing, trying to improve their recordings, helping each other out. It's not a, a big group at this point, but it's pretty active and responsive. Like if you if you ask a question there, you, you pretty sure get a response really quickly. And uh, we, Malcolm and I, answer uh, threads ourselves all the time in there. So join us. Go to the selfrecordingband.com slash community. We'd love to see you in there. 
that's basically it. And maybe in the future, I don't know, I just dove into this whole platform. Maybe in the future <laughs> we'll do something on Clubhouse as well because I just got onto that and I really <laughs> enjoy it. But I don't know how, how and if and whatever. But maybe if you're listening in like two months from now, maybe we'll be, we'll be doing something there. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> My hope is that we can do both. Like we can have the podcast being recorded while it's also live on Clubhouse or something like that. I think that'd be cool. That, oh, I have yeah. no idea how it works yet. Um, and yeah, yeah, again, just want to drive home that Facebook group really is like the best place to get questions answered quickly. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's a great resource. And uh, we actually get ideas for episodes from there as well. So feel free to drop in ideas for episodes into the Facebook group. We love it. Totally. And now this is really the last thing I'm going to say, but that's something I always absolutely forget. And it's, if you are already in that Facebook group, please bring your friends. Because you yeah. might, you probably know a lot of musicians and band members who record themselves or at least do demos or pre-production or whatever. If you have friends where you think they would benefit from that group or from our whole platform and podcast, and if you want to introduce them to our little universe here, our little space here, then uh, please bring them in. Uh, invite them to the group. I'd love to see a lot more people in there. Uh, so just think of a couple of people. I'm sure you know somebody and bring them in. We'd be endlessly appreciative and I think they will be happy as well to be there. Yeah. If you need some motivation for that, if you're listening to this, you're probably the guy in the band that has to handle all the recording. So if you get your bandmates listening to this podcast or in that group, they might learn how to do their job better before you have to record them. And you are making your life a lot easier in that case. Oh, yeah. That as well. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> cool. Like if, uh, if a singer were to listen to this episode and realize how much they're going to have to sing and then like be aware that there's going to be doubles before they're just being asked to do it, that'll, that you'll be happy that happened. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye. Hey friend, thanks again for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this one, just know that this is just a tiny fraction, a small taste of what we can actually do to help you completely transform your recordings and mixes forever. If you are really serious about your music, if you want to reach your goals as a self-recording artist, then please apply now for the Self-Recording Syndicate, our coaching program that takes you from where you are to being able to completely independently produce and release exciting sounding music forever. If you join that program, you're going to be part of a very, very passionate, dedicated, committed group of self-recording artists from all around the world. And you're going to get a roadmap, guidance, feedback, personal access to me and the team. We're going to do everything, literally everything we can to help you make the best recordings you can possibly make and it all starts with a free first call. Completely free, no strings attached. Best case scenario, we're going to end up working together and we're going to completely transform the way your music sounds. Worst case scenario, you're going to get an hour of free coaching and an action plan that you can then take and implement on your own. So if that sounds interesting to you, get started now with your first completely free call by going to theselfrecordingband.com slash call or just click the link in the show notes. See you next week.